First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. And so as we look here in the Word of God, First Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, we kind of return back to this. The Apostle Paul is kind of winding this down a little bit. And as he is winding this down, as he's kind of bringing it, uh, this particular part uh, of uh, the Scripture to a close, he is now uh, bringing it to a point to where what we're seeing is he, he's going to kind of get to the point, right, of what this whole letter is all about. Now, uh, it'll probably be in about two weeks when I start digging into that, but we're going to see uh, what the Word of God has to say about the rapture. We're going to see what the Word of God has to say about the Antichrist. And so as we look at those things and begin to recognize, here it is that the Apostle Paul is uh, bringing all of this to life. He first wants to make sure that they are walking with God in a proper manner. Before, before we begin to discuss those things, you need to make sure you're right. right? You need to make sure that your walk is right, that where you ha- are headed, what your direction uh, is, is in a proper manner. So this morning, uh, what we're going to be talking about is pleasing God. And you know, when we begin to talk about that, begin to think about that, it's a question that a lot of Christians have and a lot of people in general that even aren't Christian uh, will have is how do I please God? What, what are the things that I need to implement in my life? Or what are the things that I need to do? Or how, how in the world can I please God? Well, first of all, uh, to the, the real basic point of it is if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can't please God. There's not a single thing that you can do to please God if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. But as we look at this particular text, of scripture paul is talking to the church paul is talking to those that he believes know jesus christ as their lord and savior not only of the church but a very active church a very uh, a church that the whole world uh, knows about their faith and so it is to this church a church that loves god a church that is serving god a church that is already walking out the will of god he's talking to them about how to please god within their lives and so in verse uh, chapter Chapter 4, verse 1, he starts off with saying, finally then, finally then. Now, when he's saying this, he's wrapping up a point that he's making right here, but he's also about to bring out a very important point, something that he's saying, okay, finally then. In other words, what, what you need to understand is what I'm about to say is important. You need to pay attention to what I am about to say. You need to turn your ears on and you need to listen up, right? That's really what he's saying when he, when he says this word, finally then. You need to perk up. You need to understand. You need to pay attention and so if that is something that he had to uh, the, the the readers of the word in Thessalonica that is something that he has to the readers of the word and the hearers of the word today is we really need to perk up we need to really turn those ears on and we need to really pay attention if we truly want to be pleasers of God this is who we need to be this is what we need to be doing these are the very things that we need to be paying attention to and walking in 
not only does he say finally then, he, he then uh, goes into saying, uh, finally then, brethren, we request, right? We request or we beseech you. And so what does that word mean, we request or we beseech you? It is a strong encouragement, right? It's one of the strongest words of beseeching or requesting of you, one of the strongest words of encouraging that you can find uh, within the Word of God. He is strongly encouraging you. And now he adds the uh, kind of the cherry on top of the cake with going on and saying, and exhort you, right? So finally, in other words, pay attention, listen up. We beseech you. I'm really telling you now. This is kind of my third, uh, my second way here of telling you. And then thirdly, he's saying, we ex- uh, I exhort you, right? I exhort you. But how does he exhort them? He says, finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus. And so it is in the Lord Jesus. And so what he's saying here, he's saying, this is not my words. This is not what I have to say to you. This is not thus saith the Apostle Paul. This is of the Lord Jesus Christ. So finally then you need to pay attention. We, uh, we, we request or we beseech you a strong encouragement and exhort which this word exhort is really an authoritative word, right? It's an authoritative word that a commander would say to uh, his servants and saying, you know, Pay attention, listen up. These are the instructions that I'm about to tell you. And you need to take heed to the Word of God right here because this isn't my Word. This comes all the way from the top. This is from Jesus Christ, the Lord Himself. So therefore, you really, really, really need to pay attention to what I'm having. He's giving some very strong language that we really, really, really need to pay attention to the words that He's speaking right now right here and so what is it that not the apostle paul but jesus wants them to hear wants them to understand what is this instruction uh, that we hear right here he says first of all in verse 4 he or chapter 4 verse 1 he says finally then brethren request and exhort you in the, the lord jesus that as you received uh, that that as you received from us instruction as how you ought to walk in please god so what is this request that he's making to them? As you receive this instruction, what does this instruction do? It's how you ought to walk in the manner of pleasing God, right? This is how you ought to do it. And so how you ought to walk in the manner of pleasing God, what is this instruction that is given to him? He tells them what this instruction is in verse 2. This instruction, according to verse 2, he says, For what? For you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. These are the commandments by the authority of of the Lord Jesus. They finally then, brethren, that we request of you, we beseech of you, and that we are exhorting you, that is of the Lord Jesus, and it is of the instructions. And now we find that it is the command of the Lord Jesus. And so what do we have right here? Friends, this is none other than the Word of God. 
Amen? This is the Word of God that He is giving to them. This is the B-I-B-L-E. This is our basic instructions before leaving earth. He's fixing to talk about the end times. He's fixing to talk about the rapture. He's fixing to talk about the Antichrist. He's fixing to talk about end time events. But before we get to that point, uh, you better take heed as to how you're walking and make sure that you're walking in a manner that is pleasing to God because we could talk about the rapture all day long. We could talk about the antichrist but are you ready for the christ amen are you ready for the genuine christ to return as you stand before him because he's going to come back and when he comes back when the rapture takes place he's only coming back after his own he's only coming back after the church and he's going to catch them up and they're going to meet him in the clouds of glory but if you don't know jesus christ as your lord and savior you're going to be left behind and you're going to be left behind to a time on this earth that is going to be so awful that Jesus said there's never been a time like this before and it's going to be so awful that Jesus said unless those days were cut short no one would survive it times like we we only think things are bad today but we can't even comprehend the times that are coming and we don't need to be as worried about when the Antichrist is going to come as when Christ is going to come and gather his children home. That's what we as Christians need to be concerned about. Yes, we study the Word of God about the Antichrist. The Bible teaches about the Antichrist, but we need to be ready for the true Christ. And in the meantime, between now and then, we need to be walking in a manner that's pleasing God. And so as we walk in that manner that is pleasing God, this is important. He says, listen up, pay attention. I, I exhort you. What's so important? He says, this is the way that you ought to please God. Look at verse 3. Why is this important? He says, for this, uh, this is the will of God. If, if we truly want to please God, then we want to walk in the will of God. So it says we walk in a way that pleases God. Verse 3 is it's the word of God. But then in verse 8, as we continue to look at this, he says, So he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives the Holy Spirit to you. So verse 1, this is the way we walk to please God. In verse 3, we find that this, this is the will of God. And so if we really want to please God, we're going to walk in the will of God. But how important is this? It's important enough to where in verse 8, he says, if you're rejecting this, you're rejecting God. Amen? You're not rejecting the Apostle Paul, you're not rejecting Rusty Coon, you're not rejecting Mill Creek Baptist Church, you're not rejecting a Baptist denomination, you're not rejecting a, the Christian religion, you're rejecting God. You're rejecting Jesus Christ Himself. And so as we look at this, friends, this is very serious business in which he's talking about. And what is he talking about? He's talking about his instructions. He's talking about his commandments. He's talking about the truth of the Word of God. Now, we live in a day and age, and I want you to understand that we live in a day and age where a lot of Christians aren't really taking the Word of God seriously. Now, notice I said Christians. Why would we expect a lost world to take the Word of God seriously? 
I mean, in all reality, why would we expect lost people to take God's Word serious? Why would we ta- expect people from other religions, from other, uh, from, from other uh, cults or whatever it is, why would we expect them to take the Word of God seriously? Now, uh, you know, as a Christian, I've studied what other religions have taught. I, I have a Mormon Bible. I have a pearl of great price. I, I have those. I've looked through the Koran. I've read the Koran. And or not read all of it, read parts of the Quran and you know, look through it and, and you know, study those things, examine those things. As a matter of fact, you know, uh, we, we had some uh, Mormon missionaries come to the house one day uh, years ago. I was up in Utah, went up to, to in Salt Lake City, decided we're going to go to the Mormon temple. And so we go into the Mormon temple and we sign a paper and say, you know, whether or not we want to have some Mormon missionaries come and visit us. I said, well, why not? And so I signed that. I said, yeah, I want them to come because I want to tell them about Jesus. Amen. I want to witness to them. And so I get them to come. And so they say, well, what do you think about the Book of Mormon? Well, I pulled out a copy of the Book of Mormon and, you know, laid it there on the table. And their eyes got about that big around. And I was able to witness to them about the one true Jesus through the Book of Mormon. But why would I expect other people to take it seriously? Now, I don't believe the Book of Mormon is the Word of God. I believe it is a doctrine of demons. Amen? So why would I expect anybody else from another religion to take the Word of God seriously? What we ought to expect is those who are called of Christ to take the Word of God seriously. Amen? To take the Word of God serious to where I know the Word of God. I actually want to be instructed in the ways of the Word of God. Paul said that I have instructed you in this manner. I've given to you these instructions. So in other words, he preached to them the Word of God. They sat down together and they had Bible study in the Word of God. It ought to be every Christian's heart. It ought to be every Christian's desire to be taught the Word of God, to hear the preaching of the Word of God, to hear the teaching of the Word of God to where they can absorb it. It ought to be of every Christian's heart to sit down with their own personal copy of the Word of God and read the Word of God, which is the instructions of God, that they can know how they ought to live in accordance to not thus saith Paul or thus saith Rusty Coon or thus saith the Baptists or thus saith the Methodists or thus saith the Presbyterians or thus saith anybody else but thus saith the Lord God amen I say it because this is what God has to say and so as I look in the word of God and begin to understand the truth of the word of God now some people say that we don't we shouldn't have denominations and they're of the denomination of non-denominationalism and so those folks of the denomination of non-denominationalism want to do away with denominations and so denominations are just a natural thing. Right? So they have their denomination even though they want to do away with denominations. Really what they're saying is y'all stop being like you and you start being like us. <laughs> Amen? I'm proud to say that I'm a Baptist. I don't believe Baptists are the only ones that are going to heaven. I'm proud to say that I'm a Baptist because as a Baptist, I say when I say that I'm a Baptist, I say this is what I believe. Amen? 
This is where I stand. And I'm not ashamed to say that. I'm not saying that we're the only ones that got it figured out. We've got a corner on heaven. Of course we don't. But when I say this is who I am, I say this is what I believe. Not to say all Baptists believe everything exactly alike, because they don't. Like what John Hagee said about Baptists one time, he said he loves Baptists because you have your hard shell, your soft shell, and your half shell Baptists. Amen? <laughs> and that's true. <laughs> They're from kind of all over the place. Amen? But for the most part, if I say I'm Baptist, you know where I stand. Amen? You know, you know what corner I'm standing in. And you know what I believe about the word of God. And so as we look at this, we begin to understand, here's our instructions, though. It's not, uh, you know, the Baptist creed. <laughs> it is the word of God. That's regardless of what denomination you are, what, what, what you decide to call yourself, because it's only faith in Jesus that's going to get us to glory, not faith in a certain denomination or calling yourself of a certain denomination. Only faith in Jesus Christ. But I believe what I believe, not because I'm a Baptist. I believe what I believe because the Word of God says it. Amen? Thus saith the Lord God. This is what the Word of God has to say about this particular subject. It is the Word of God. So if I want to walk in a way that is pleasing to God, if I want to walk in accordance to the Word of God according to verse 3, and if I don't want to reject God Himself, then I'm going to need to walk in accordance to the standard of the Word of God. Not the Word of man. Not the word of a denomination, not the word of an individual, but the word of God. So when we begin to think about this, we look at the world in which we live in today. You know, a recent study has gone out, and in this recent study, find something that doesn't really surprise me. It ought to, it should, but it doesn't. And it's a shame that this study by the Cultural Research Center doesn't surprise me, but it really doesn't. It says only 37% of American pastors, 37%, only 37% of American pastors have a biblical worldview. Only. 37% of American pastors through this study that they have done have a biblical worldview. Now, this is a pretty reliable, this is a pretty reputable group here. It's just some flyby. It's not the New York Times trying to discredit Christianity and, or, or some liberal, other liberal group trying to discredit Christianity. This is a, a, a pretty reliable Christian group. Right here, the Culture, Cultural Research Center. This is what they said. This is directly from them. Their prevailing worldview is best described as syncretism. The blending of ideas and applications from a variety of holistic worldviews into a unique but inconsistent combination that represents their personal preference. 
More than 6 out of 10 pastors, by the way, that's 62%. More than 6 out of 10 pastors have a predominantly synchronistic world view. In other words, what they're doing is they're taking what culture has to say and this group of individuals has to say and that group of individuals has to say and they're making it a hodgepodge of different worldviews and they're putting it all into a pot and they're mixing it together as a great big gumbo and they're, they're, they're delivering it on Sunday morning. That's their worldview. But it's not based upon the Word of God. It's based a little bit from here, a little bit from there, a little bit from over there, and maybe a little bit might even come out of the Bible. And so what is a worldview? Worldview is how you look at the world, how you view the world, what you think about the world. And only 37% of American pastors have a biblical world view. Now, friends, that ought to terrify us. Amen? But what it ought to do is ought to get you into the Word of God, your own self, to start studying the Word of God because you need to be in church. Why? Because the Word of God tells you that you need to be in church. You need to be preached to. Why? Because the Word of God tells you that you need to be preached to. You need to be taught. Why? Because the Word of God tells you that you need to be taught. Amen. But what you need to do is you need to start studying the Word of God on your own to make sure that what you're hearing and what you're being instructed at and what you're being taught truly is the Word of God. If there's that many out there where only 37% of American pastors have a biblical worldview, 62% of American pastors do not have a biblical view, then the likelihood of you coming across the pastor that does not have a biblical worldview is extraordinarily high. Therefore, you need to study to show yourself approved. And you need to know what the Word of God has to say. And if that pastor is not preaching the truth of the Word of God, then friends, don't walk, run. Get out of there. Find a part of that 37%. Listen, I'm telling you this with the utmost humility. If I don't preach the Word of God rightly and accurately, if I'm not teaching to you the truth, then don't go out there and gossip with me. Get with me. Why? Because there's going to be a day that I stand before God and don't come to me because and say, well, Mama said or Daddy said or we had a former pastor said or this denomination I was a part of said. Come to me with the Word of God in your hand and say, thus say, the Lord God and you're not saying it rightly amen listen we will have a serious discussion I'm not going to write you off we will have a discussion about it because I won't be right with God and I won't be teaching what is the truth of the word of God because teachers will endure a more strict judgment how do I know that because the word of God tells me that We've got great Sunday school teachers here and great children's teachers here, but you need to take that seriously as well. Amen? You will endure a stricter judgment. We need to take that, take heed to it. 
So as we continue to look at this and continue to understand, we recognize a few things. Well, it doesn't surprise me, as I said earlier, because there's some quacky stuff out there. I mean, some outright quacky stuff. I've got pastors from all over that, that add me on Facebook. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here, they only allow you to have certain amount of friends on Facebook. And I'm getting close to that certain amount of friends on Facebook. I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to have to start. I'm, I'm, I'm friends with some people like 10 times. I mean, I like you so much. I'm friends with you like 10 times. So I have to figure out what's your right page and start deleting some folks. Because, you know, I don't want to get to that point to where I can't accept people that especially you know in our in our church especially folks in our own church field things like that and we'll make sure that i have that open to where where i can be friends with you on there but then you know some friends with some of these pastors from all over the world really and, and i start reading some of the stuff that that they say i mean this week alone <laughs> just this week i kid you not it's every week but this week i guess god was getting ready getting me ready for this this message if you're a Calvinist, you can't be saved. <laughs> Another one said, if you're not a Calvinist, you can't be saved. If you believe in eternal security, you can't be saved. If you don't believe in eternal security, you can't be saved. Listen to this. If you believe the rapture, you're not even a Christian. I mean, it's all over the place. And, and you know what? You cannot believe in the rapture and still be a Christian. You know why? I, I firmly believe in the rapture. But it's faith in Jesus that gets you, gets you to heaven, not faith in whatever you believe about the rapture. So here's some folks that I'm friends with on Facebook. I don't really know who they are. But I'm friends with them on Facebook from all over, the, all over the place. They have a grave misunderstanding of what the gospel is and what the means of salvation is. And that is the utmost importance. And we talk about folks from other denominations all day long, but let's, let's start talking about some Baptist folks. Amen? Some Baptist brethren. We've got Beth Moore, for instance. Now, you know, I know you know, might be better off, you know, uh, uh, picking up the Ark of the Covenant on my own or something, you know, amongst some folks talking about Beth Moore, but she has recently become a major critic of the Southern Baptist Convention. And why has she recently become a major critic of the Southern Baptist Convention? The reason why she's become a major critic of the Southern Baptist Convention is because Southern Baptists don't believe, neither do missionary Baptists, by the way, or pretty much any Baptist believe that a woman ought to be a pastor. And so she is strongly criticizing the Southern Baptist Convention, even threatening to leave the Southern Baptist Convention. And most, most Southern Baptist pastors are said, I wish you would. Threaten to leave because of that issue. Well, what does the Bible say about women being pastors? The Bible says this in 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 12. It says this, but I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Well, how can a woman be a pastor if the Bible says that she can't teach or exercise authority over a man? But it goes on to tell you not just 
the fact of, that a woman shouldn't teach or have uh, exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. For it was Adam who was first created and then Eve. And, if, and it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. So as a result of the fall, woman can't be a pastor. Let's say a woman can't serve. Doesn't say that a woman can't be in other positions and do other things. Absolutely, you know, if it wasn't for women uh, in the church, most of our churches wouldn't exist. Most of our churches wouldn't be doing anything. Amen. It's just a fact. A woman can't teach or have authority over a man. This is talking about church life. Okay. I'm talking about a woman can't be a CEO somewhere. A woman can't be the next president of the United States. Talking about church life, okay? Let's not get carried away. That's what the Bible says. Friends, I don't know about you, but I'm going to stick with the Word of God rather than man's opinion, or in this case, Beth Moore's opinion. Rick Warren, famous pastor of Saddleback Church, which is also a Southern Baptist church. They don't use the name Southern Baptist, but also a famous Baptist Church in California, Rick Warren, wrote the Purpose Driven Life, wrote the Purpose Driven Youth Ministry, but uh, wrote the Purpose Driven Church. It's, everything's purpose driven, right? Which, by the way, is good stuff. Great material, good stuff. He's also, he himself as a pastor has ordained women pastors. He just retired as the pastor of his church. And they have just called their church, I don't know if he had a hand in it, but Saddleback Church, has called a husband and wife team as co-pastors of the church and the woman's going to be the teaching pastor. So brother, that sounds like you're making a mountain out of a molehill. Well... Friends, that's what the Word of God says. And I have to stick with what the Word of God says. If I want to walk in a manner that's pleasing unto God, this is the will of God, and if I reject this, I am rejecting not man but God. And I'm going to have to stick with the truth of the Word of God. See, the problem with Beth Moore, and we saw, it, and this has been taking place for a long, long time. Both Beth Moore and Rick Warren. This is what happened. They became extremely popular. They started off good. I mean, they started off great, great, great teachers. Started off phenomenal, and then they became very, very popular. And as they became very, very popular, they started going out on these preaching tours and these preaching conferences and things like that with very liberal people that had very uh, unbiblical ideology and rather than them having an influence on the other I believe they had an influence on them to whereas for instance Beth Moore who started off very good had some very good books had some very good teaching has gone back and revised those rewritten some of her books and said the former things I I taught were wrong. I have to rewrite those things and correct them. 
No, the former things were actually biblical, but you've been influenced by unbiblical people, and now you are therefore unbiblical. Now, I'm not saying Beth Moore is a heretic. She just so happens to be unbiblical most particular things. Therefore, we need to be very weary of her on other things. Amen? Because what happens is that culture wants to come in. Just like the 62% of the pastors that we just read, read about, culture wants to come in. Culture wants to shape, culture wants to mold, culture wants to form, culture wants to change you, whereas you may have once had a biblical worldview. Now all of a sudden it has been changed, it has been transformed. Now what is the importance of this? The importance of this is if you look at the mainline denominations that have started ordaining, ordaining women pastors, what have they done next? In just a few years now, they're ordaining homosexuals. It's that slippery slope. Not all of them, but the great majority of them. Well, if I'm going to compromise on this part, then I'm going to compromise on the next part, which makes makes it a lot easier to compromise on the next part. Then all of a sudden, I'm just compromising the whole Word of God, looking at it as the divine suggestion rather than the Word of God. Amen? So what do I do? He tells us right here exactly what we ought to do. First of all, he says, walk in it. Look back there at verse 1 as he says, to walk in, to walk in God's Word. Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus Christ that you receive from us instruction how you ought to walk and please God. Walk in it. See, walking in it isn't putting on my Sunday morning go to church meeting shoes. Amen? This is who I am on Monday. This is who I am on Tuesday. This is who I am on Wednesday. This is who I am on Thursday. This is who I am on Friday. This is who I am on Saturday. So I don't have to pretend like this is who I am on Sunday because I'm walking in it. But not only did he say to walk in it, you know, as we look at walking in it and walking in the Word of God, I'm reminded of Joshua chapter 1. Here it is that Joshua is about to cross over the Jordan River. He's about to lead the nation of Israel across the Jordan River. They're about to go in after 40 years and finally possess the land. And this is the instruction that God gave to Joshua. God told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 6, he says, Be Strong and courageous, for you shall give these people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Listen to this. Be careful to do according to all of the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. And do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. Here it is that God said you're about to cross 
cross over the uh, Jordan. You're about to go into the promised land. You're about to get it. You're about to take possession of it. So what do you do? He said, you take my word. You don't turn from it to the right or to the left. And then you will make your ways prosperous all of the days of your life. How are you going to make your ways prosperous? By taking the word of God and walking in it. You don't turn from it to the right or to the left, but not only did he tell them to walk in it back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he ended and it said that you excel still more. That you excel still more. Oh, friends, we ought to be so thankful for our walk with Jesus. Amen? We ought to be so thankful that we're saved. The most grateful people on the face of this earth that were saved. Every verse of God's word that you know and you're able to quote, you ought to be so thankful for the word of God. The fact that you could open up the word of God and read it and study it. The fact that God has moved in your life. You testify today, you say, you know what, I once had an anger problem, but God took that anger problem away and praise God for it. I was once a drunk, but God delivered me from that alcohol and you praise God for it. I was once, you know, this, that, or the other, but God moved in my life. You ought to be so thankful. But here it is that he's saying, excel all the more. Be thankful for where you're at. Be thankful for what God has done for you. But friends, don't stop there and get stuck in a rut. Continue to grow. Continue to move forward. Continue to increase in the things that God has done and is doing and will do in your life. Because I could promise you we could make a goal to walk in it every single day. But the moment that we stop trying to excel still more. We're going to get bogged down. We're going to get stuck in the mud. We're going to get stuck in a rut. And I promise you, we're not going to move any further. And then all of a sudden, the world is going to start enclosing around you their ideas, the things that they say are important, the things that they say are right, the things that they say are wrong, the way in which they say you ought to walk. It's going to entice you. Draw you in. Not if you make a commitment to Jesus that you're going to walk in it, walk in the Word, and excel. I want to be a better man of God tomorrow than I was today. I want to be closer to Jesus tomorrow than I am today. Oh, I'm thankful for where I am, but I know He has so much more to offer me, and friends, it's unlimited. You're never going to reach the pinnacle. You're never going to reach the peak. Until the day he calls you home. But until then, we're still pressing towards that mark. Amen? Is that you today? 
or are you stuck in the mud? Bogged down. Friend, you don't need to come along, you just need Jesus. Amen? And he'll pull you out. All you need to do is call on them right now as the praise team makes their way forward. Listen, if these other folks, these influencers, I guess you could say, they can get veered off into the wrong direction. They're no better than anybody else, but if they can get veered off in the wrong direction, you better not believe and be so arrogant to think that you can. Or you won't. Because you can and you will. Starts with this today as everybody stands. Do you know that you know that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? No doubt about that whatsoever today. Do you know that beyond any shadow of a doubt that you are saved, bought with the blood, born again, glory bound? If you don't know that today, then friends, today, would you come receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you're saved today and you know that you're saved, there's no doubt in your heart, but you're bogged down right now. You can call on Jesus right there where you're at. Say, Jesus, get me out of this rut. I've been here too long. It's time to strive still more. It's time to move forward. I'll be happy to pray with you as well. This altar's open. You can come. Maybe you've been influenced by the world. Maybe you've slipped off to the right or to the left, any other direction. Maybe you've slipped backwards. No, it's not where God would have you to be. You're not walking in His Word. Today, would you come back? Just repent. Ask Jesus to forgive you. And I promise you that he will. You come right now as God leads. I'm here. Be glad to pray with you. This altar's open. You come as God so stirs.
go back just a couple of slides on that on that song there part where the things of this earth will go grow strangely dim one more back turn your eyes on Jesus look full in his wonderful face next one the things of this earth will grow strangely dim that summed up this whole message right there in that, that one verse right there amen that's all we need to do right there get into his word Look on to Jesus, seek Him with every ounce of our being. All of the things we thought were good, sparkly, shiny, and wonderful in this world are going to start getting dimmer and dimmer. We're going to realize He and He alone are worthy.